Peter chapter 2, we're going to pick it up in verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it is to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, but not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. And hear these words. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. This is the word of the Lord. All thanks be to God. You know, as a church at Bergen Park Church, we seek to make disciples. A disciple is somebody who is following Jesus, becomes like Jesus, and then we need to go out and do what Jesus did. And as being disciples, we're constantly submitting, increasingly submitting every area of our life under God's authority and empowering presence. And so as we come to his word today, really what today's about is increasingly submitting our life under what he's teaching us by his authority and empowering presence. And the phrase that struck me this week that really convicted me is that phrase in verse 17. Honor everyone. Our culture loves to honor those who shine. And if you've shined, you know it. If you don't shine, you've felt it. We honor people in titles, we honor people in positions, we honor people of beauty and money and success. That is the way of the world. The way of the kingdom is different. The kingdom doesn't see what the world sees. The kingdom sees past what the world sees and honors everyone. Shows honor, value, and respect. And as we're going through this cultural moment, I want to suggest we live in a time of contempt where it's really easy to look down on people, where slander becomes the common language of our day, where vitriol, division, tribalism, that's not the way of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God should look very different from the ways of the world. And I wonder, as I study this word, and and we're here today and the Spirit is speaking to us, if honoring everyone may not be the thing that starts to turn the tide in people's lives. The tide of those who may not like what we believe. The tide of those that we may see as those that are making our world much more difficult. What if God and his vision would say to us today that maybe honoring everyone could begin to change the hearts of human beings, change our culture, change our speech, change our language, and maybe even take people off guard when we speak to them. 
What if there's something that Peter's telling us? Now, I want you to know, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter speaks to a number of different individuals. He starts off broadly and he says, hey, we need to submit ourselves to every governing authority, which means we need to honor our governing authorities because their authority comes from God. And if there was no authority, there would be anarchy. And even bad authority is better than no authority. And then he goes on, he talks to slaves. Now, he's not referring to racial minorities. He's not referring to people who are being mistreated because of their race. Slavery in the first century was not good. It was different. And he says the same thing to slaves. Let them see your good deeds. And then he talks to women. Now, for the most part, these were women who were married to husbands that worship foreign gods. And they're right alongside them. And, and these women are asking, okay, what do I do? My husband worships these gods and... And Peter says, listen, listen, allow your life, the beauty of your life, to be an impact in his life so that they may see your good deeds and he may see the beauty of the God that you worship. Throughout 1 Peter, Peter's describing people who are suffering, who are being persecuted. And he's saying the way to turn the tide is to flip the story. They're expecting slander. Bless them. They're expecting contempt. Honor them. When Jesus came, see, the Jews expected a military king. He was a lamb slain on the cross. That was his coronation that then transformed the world. What if, as we move out into the world, the shift that we need to start to make is stop simply just taking the patterns of the world and the ways of the world, but when we walk out and say, Father, in this moment, we want the kingdom, we want your spirit to show through what, what us, what Jesus showed into the world. What if in this day, if we simply learn to honor everyone, it would start to change the discourse? Now, now let, me, let me jump into that. If you will, if you have a Bible, let's go into Romans 12. You know, Romans chapters 1 through 11, deep, thick theology. If you love theology and scripture and all that, you want to get into that. And, just, and then you get to chapter 12, and it just becomes this, this flower, this picture of what life looks like as we're loving one another. So let's go to Romans chapter 12, and I wanna pick this up in verse nine. Because see, in Romans 12, verse nine, he gives you his main thesis, and here's his main idea for this whole passage. Let love be genuine. And then he gives you 13 commands. You wanna know what love looks like when it's genuine? Well, let's, let's find out, watch this. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affections. This sounds really familiar, right, to 1 Peter, exactly what Peter said. Love the brotherhood of believers. Then notice, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Never repay evil for evil. But give thought to do what is, notice the language, honorable in the sight of all. And listen, if it's possible... So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. 
Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is my I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If, if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil. Instead, overcome evil with good. Did you notice? It wasn't simply honor everyone. Let's outdo each other. Any competitive people in here? Somebody throws down the gauntlet. Hey, let's play a game. Let's do a race. Let's... What, what is Paul saying? He's saying, I don't want you simply to honor. And when this is not glib, this is not fake honor. We get that, right? You've had fake honor, and it's kind of like, okay, thanks, but, but no thanks. He's saying, when it comes to honoring others, let's outdo them. And let's not just simply outdo those that are in high positions, because see, maybe their glory will fall on us, and we'll feel better about ourselves. No, let's show honor to everyone, to the people who least expect honor to be shown. What does this word honor mean? I want to jump into this. As I spent my time this week, I thought I'd be studying one thing, and the Lord kind of took me in a different direction. And I spent a lot of time on this, simply this word honor. And if you go throughout Scripture, you'll find this word repeated. Some of you know many places where it's used, but the word in Greek is this word timao. And it can mean to prize or to value. It's a word that really has financial weight to it. See, in, in Jesus' day, when you honored somebody, you would give them something of value that approximated their value to you. And today, we do the same thing. It's called an honorarium. When you give someone an honorarium, they're coming and bringing something of value, and you give maybe a financial gift, or you give some act of generosity to recognize the value that that person brings. Now, in the kingdom of God, the value a person brings, you ready for this? is not based on what they do. It's not based on how they appear. It's not based on what they believe. It's based on the fact that in Genesis 1, we are created in the image of God. And that image has been marred by sin. But it's what Jesus came to restore. We value what God has placed in others. And isn't our nation based on that basic concept that all men... Women are created equal. Where does that come from? It's a biblical concept. But here's the challenge. We need to take that idea of everyone being created in the image of God, and we need to work that out in our hearts and our minds and allow our contempt to decrease and allow the values of the kingdom to flow forth, that we have to start honoring people, not for what they give us or not what, what they do or not where they stand or not what they believe about us, but rather simply because God values them. How much does God value his people created in his image to the degree that he sent Jesus to die? And that wasn't for the people that had it together, right? Because that was us. I mean, we were a mess, weren't we? Jesus didn't come, hey, I'm going to die for you because you believe the right things. Hey, I'm going to die for you because you're on the right side. No, he came and he poured out his life because he loved the world so much that he was willing to rescue us. So honor is, is recognizing the value of another. So let's contrast this, kind of get some ideas, kind of make this concrete. We know the word glory. We know the word honor. Sometimes those are really closely associated. Now, God has glory because God is glorious intrinsically. Meaning that's just who he is. It's kind of like a sunset, a sunrise. They're glorious. 
even if nobody's watching, right? It doesn't matter if you see it. It's beautiful. It's glorious. Well, that's the character of God. God is other. He is glorious. Honor is worship. Honor is saying, God, I ascribe value to. I see the sunset. I see the sunrise. I see your beauty. I see your majesty. And I worship you. See, that's what honor is. Honor is attributing value to the other. Glory is intrinsic. Well, do you realize scripture says that God has placed glory not just on the angels? He created us a little bit lower, but he crowned human beings. And it doesn't say this kind of human being or that kind of human being. With glory, and here's the word, and honor. We claim to believe the image of God, but are we living the image of God out? As we move out into the world. When you get into Revelation, you often hear this phrase that, that there are those around the throne. You see it in Revelation 5. And there are those around the th- throne and they're saying, worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and blessing and glory. All of those words are synonyms, synonyms not cinnamon, synonyms. To say God is, God is valuable. You know, C.S. Lewis in his book, The Weight of Glory, this phrase has always stuck with me. And he says, there are no ordinary people. You have never met a mere mortal. There are no ordinary people. Why? Because each one is crowned with glory and with honor. You have never met a mere mortal. We are to honor everyone. What what might that look like? Well, think of the last time you ran into somebody who had intrinsic glory. Now, for whatever reasons, you may value a politician that has intrinsic glory to you, or you may value a celebrity, an author. You may value somebody in your own field or career that just is better, or someone that has a great voice, whatever it is, or somebody that's attractive. I don't know what it is. You see them, and you go, that's glory, right? You're ascribing, and then you see them, and you're like, wow, Hey, is that, do you think that, and this actually happened to me, my wife and I, we were at Chili's, because that's where kind of we go, that's our thing, showing our age, but anyways, um, and in walks this guy, right, this guy walks in, and I'm looking at him, and and I I was kind of facing the door, probably not a good idea, because I get distracted, but I'm I'm facing the door, and this guy walks in, really good-looking guy, African-American guy, I'm thinking, I know him, I, I know that guy. And I start saying to my wife, I know that guy. And then I went, wow, that's Carl Lewis. Honey, and she didn't really know, you know, she knew who Carl Lewis was, but she didn't, in 80s, 1980s, that was kind of my thing, you know, Olympics, and, and so Carl Lewis, Houston, Cougars, anyways, uh, so growing up in Texas, Carl Lewis was just the man. And I'm, I used to have his poster, you know, on my wall. And I'm going, that, that's Carl, Carl Lewis. And so what I did is, because I'm an idiot, I just yell, hey, Carl, just to see me, you know, turn, because that's really respectful, right, when you see somebody like that, because I'm acting like a two-year-old, and he looks, you know, with a smile, and then, gosh, really? (laughs) Anyways, I was like, see, I told you it's Carl Lewis, you know? Anyway, so I get up, and I I go to the bathroom, we're about to check out, you know, leave, and my wife, she, and I found this out after I got back from the bathroom, she just walked up to him. I didn't know you could do that, right? Because normal human beings just walk up to other people and respectfully say hello. And she told me this after. It's so funny. We're leaving. And I said, you talked to Carl Lewis. I didn't. Anyways, the point of that is 
That's honor. Now, I honored him because of the value he brought me, right? But what if we learn to value each other based on the value that God has put in us? We know how to see the things that sparkle and shine in the world. But what if we said, you know, is that Mary, the single mom with two kids? Is, is that her? Is that, is that Mary walking in the door right now into Bergen Park Church? Is that, is that John? Did he just retire last year? Is that that guy? I mean, I cannot believe he's here. How do you feel when somebody greets you with honor, not simply because of what you've given them, but of the value they place in you? Realize when Jesus showed up, he honored the prostitute, the tax collector. That guy's a dirty, rotten you know, we could just denigrate that right there. We could contempt him. The Essene, the, uh, he came in and he valued people. And in valuing people, he could speak truth. Church, we have to speak truth in this day. We have to speak truth. Jesus, in speaking truth, established honor. He established dignity. And the people to whom showed him contempt, you know what he did? He just simply walked away. Now, there were times where he would combat them. But we'll find in Mark chapter 6, often when contempt showed up, he said, you know, that's just not my game right now. I'm going to confront that at certain points, but right now I'm going to step back. What if we learned in this cultural moment, in this season, simply to honor, to honor everyone? So what are some of the passages we know about where this word comes up? Of course we know one of the top ten, honor your father and mother. Can I just say on that, I hadn't done that well. Have you honored your father and mother well? Sometimes we hold our parents to such a high esteem that we don't recognize the value and the dignity of that person. Simply being your father and your mother. What if we honored people in those positions? Again, 1 Peter, he says, slaves, honor your masters. Guys, you ready for this? Husbands, honor your wives. Recognize the value, the dignity, not inherent in what she gives you, okay? Because we know how to do that. But inherent in simply who she is. And then, of course, in verse 13, honor the governing officials. And, and in that case, in verse 13, realize Peter and Paul, who says that in Romans 13, and then Paul and, and I mean, Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2, he's referring to an emperor who you wouldn't vote for. I mean, this is not my emperor. You know what I mean? This is a guy who's persecuting Christians, who is martyring. Peter is martyred. Paul is thrown into prison. We don't really know what happens to him. And he's saying, the guy who threw me into prison, the guy who martyred Peter, my brother, we need to show him honor because the authority that person has comes from God. And it doesn't mean, listen, the person's honorable. You know the difference, right? A person can lack honor in their actions towards you, but as somebody that God has honored, we respond to that person with honor because of who they are. Hear, hear this, inside the church, 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 26. I love this passage, I think this is beautiful. 1 Corinthians 12, the eye cannot say to the hand, hey listen, I don't need you buddy. 
Nor can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, hear these words, are indispensable. They're not, they're not less, they're indispensable. And on those parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. Jump down, verse 24. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. Uh, so listen to what he's saying. As we walk in here, there's, there's kernels in this room, right? There's people that have had titles and backgrounds. And, but in the church, that doesn't, we don't start there. We, we're not starting there. We see each other not as the world sees, but as Christ sees. We honor people according to who they are in the body of Christ, that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, church, we all suffer. If one member is honored, we rejoice together. That is a, that is a picture of human flourishing beyond my imagination. Because I don't say to my foot, my head's pretty important right now, but my foot is keeping my head up. You know what I mean? And there are parts of my body that sustain what you see and what you hear. But without the other parts, I can't say to my foot, hey, get out of here. You're not worth it. If we as the body of Christ, and that's who we are, and each one play an important and indispensable role. If we don't learn to honor one another in the gifts that God has given, and in the stories that we carry, we are missing out on the beauty of being a part of the kingdom of God. We are to honor. And here's another one. 1 Corinthians 6.20, you were bought with a price, and so glorify, you could say, honor God with your body. Why is sexual immorality such a problem? Because it's not your body. Why is abortion such a problem? Because it's not your body. It belongs to God. And remember, why do we honor someone? We honor them because of the value that's intrinsic in the person. Whether that person is someone we know or someone we don't know, they have value. And therefore, we value the body because the body belongs to God. But that also means we value what we eat, how we care for our body. It belongs to God. We should honor that which God has given. I love this, John 12, 26. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. And this blows my mind. Ready for this? If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Hey, that's Carl Lewis, right? God is going to, if we serve him, I don't know what that day is going to be like. It's going to be a good day, though. He is going to honor us. And realize that's not for the pastors. That's for the feet and the toes and the knuckles and the hands when we serve God, the Father, he is going to honor us. John Tyson, who I got a lot of these ideas from, said honor is the operating system of the kingdom of God. So if honor is the way of the kingdom, then I, I would suggest that dishonor, I think a better word is contempt, is the way of the world. Now what is contempt? I want to define that term for us. Contempt is the feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration, worthless, 
deserving scorn. It's a mixture of emotions like anger and disgust. It's often followed by arrogance, entitlement, and ingratitude. Contempt allows us to see a person as less than, less than what God sees them to be. If honor is respect, contempt is disrespect. If honor is gratitude, contempt ingratitude. If honor is valuing others, contempt is lowering someone's value. Contempt leads to tribalism. It leads to division. It leads to us pushing people to the margins of society and not seeing them the way that God sees them. In the story of God's people, contempt has played a tremendous role in missing out in God's blessing. Now, let me explain that. In in the story of the Exodus, as God used his power, his might to rescue his people, I mean, life wasn't good in Egypt. He heard their cry. He responded. He brought them out. And he brought them out like a father brings out his child. He says, I brought them to myself. I put my wings over you guys. I called you my sons and my daughters. And yet he says to Moses in Numbers 14, and I'm reading this from the NIV, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Now, what does that mean? Think about this. God, you're not giving me what I deserve. Lack of gratitude. God, you're not showing up the way I expected. God, you're not the one that I, you're not the person I think that you are. Why will the, why do these people continue to treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of the signs that I have performed among them? Contempt kept them from the blessing of God. Romans chapter 12 I mean, Romans chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, and again, this is reading from the NIV. It starts off and it says, Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Contempt cuts us off from God's blessing. Honor opens us up, not only to the blessing of God, but hear me on this. When you honor someone else, it opens up you to the honor that they have, the blessing that they have is someone created in God's image. Here's the picture of this. If you turn to Mark chapter six, and in Mark chapter six, Jesus is coming back to his hometown. And everybody there knows his mother, they know his brothers, they know his sisters. Jesus is really familiar And yet he's coming in to bless them, just like God did in the Exodus story. And here's how it plays out. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. And he, meaning Jesus, went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach them in the synagogue. And there were many who heard him and were astonished. Right? This is honor. Wow, look at this. Look at this guy. Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands. They see the value and notice what sweeps in this attitude of contempt. Is this not the carpenter? Doesn't that guy, is he blue collar? Does he work with his hands? And carpenter really, if you think about it, Jesus in Nazareth, that area, it's about a hundred miles from any wood. More than likely he was a mason. He was some kind of, someone that built. So he worked, this is a tough Tough job. The son of Mary. Realize Mary in that culture, the one that was conceived, you know, conceived of the, oh yeah, is that how it happened? Conceived of the Holy Spirit, you know, before she was with Joseph. Contempt. 
the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Those guys played on our soccer team. They picked their nose. That that kid was ADD. This is common. His sisters, don't they look among... So so notice what's happening. And doesn't this happen? You're watching somebody and, and, and you start racking up all the offenses. This is what's wrong with this guy. I disagree with you here. I don't like you. And then what happens is you start to project upon them and you see them with offense. So notice, they take offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is without what? Honor. They didn't see his value, except in his hometown, among his relatives, his own household. And he could... And he could do no mighty works there. I think this is kind of funny. Except he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. That's a, that's a bad day for Jesus, I guess. Right? It's like all he could do is heal a couple people. He could have done a lot more. It could have been exciting, but no, that's all you got. And he marveled and noticed because of their unbelief. And I think this is wisdom here. And he went about among the villages teaching, meaning he left. And church, sometimes I think there's times where we need to argue. I think there's times where we need to speak truth. But I think sometimes wisdom, when you encounter contempt, Jesus said, don't throw your pearl before swine. And he's not judging that other person. He's just saying they can't value it. Brush the dust off your feet. Sometimes it's really wise when you encounter contempt to say, you know what? I don't know if I can return kind with, I don't know if I can bless. I need to walk away. I'm not going to get involved. Jesus just simply walks away. And he goes out to honor someone else. Honor, I think it brings us blessing. And then finally, honor brings out the best in others. You want to bring out the worst? Just continue to use contempt. I mean, how often do you hear situations in parents, this is so true, be careful. The words you speak over your children are self-fulfilling. How many times have you been around a mom or a dad and they're like, yeah, Johnny's just a little devil. And Johnny's right there. Johnny's got to be a little devil because Johnny is hearing you pronounce contempt. You know, when your kids disagree, when they fight, you have to remind them of who they are. You know, when my kids fight with each other, one of the things that I'll do is I'll say, I'll tell my boys, I go, listen, that's your brother. He is going to be your family. He is going to be with you more than likely much longer than I am. He is going to be your best friend. You need to take care of him. Now, is that going to happen? I don't know, but it does change the way they see each other. And so we also have to learn to speak words over people that are not simply connected to one thing they've done or one position they take or one idea they hold to, but we have to speak words of blessing. You know, it says in Proverbs, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And when Jesus went out, he blessed those that cursed. The church in the first century went out and blessed those who slandered them. The church went in and cared for the poor, the poor that once persecuted them, the poor that once rejected them. And in seeing the honor of the church going out, and instead of returning contempt for contempt, they saw something in the church that revealed the heart and the character of God. Because see, that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. What did Jesus have in heaven In multitudes, he had honor, angels, worshiping, 
at the right hand of God the Father. Jesus, stay there. Enjoy your life. Enjoy honor and glory. And yet he descended from honor into a world of contempt. Isn't this Mary's son? What good can come from Nazareth? And he absorbed the contempt. Why? So that those of us who are contemptuous might experience the honor of God. Realize that. Do you see that beautiful picture? Jesus, who was arrayed in all honor, knew that you and I needed to lose the slavery of contempt. And so he entered into a world that persecuted him. He had no place to lay his head. And he entered into a world of contempt so that we might see the glory and the honor of God, that we might realize our value to God, and that we might go out into the world and begin to honor them. That is the definition of strength. That is the definition of strength. Jesus goes out and he sacrifices through enemy love to rescue those who are wrapped in slavery. I want to close with this quote from Phil Yancey. He just happens to be one of our neighbors up here in Evergreen. He said this about Jesus. Jesus was the first world leader to inaugurate a kingdom with a heroic, hear this, role for losers. He spoke to an audience raised on stories of wealthy patriarchs, strong kings, and victorious heroes. Much to their surprise, he honored instead people who have little value in the visible world. He honored the poor. He honored the meek. He recognized the persecuted and those who mourn, the social rejects, the hungry and the thirsty. His stories consistently featured, and hear this, the wrong people as heroes. The wrong people, the prodigal, not the responsible son, the Samaritan, not the good Jew, Lazarus, not the rich man, the tax collector, not the Pharisee. And as Charles Spurgeon, express, Spurgeon expressed it, his glory was that he laid aside his glory, and the glory of the church is when she lays aside her respectability and her dignity and counts it to be her glory to gather together those who feel far from God. Jesus descended from glory into contempt so that you and I might see the glory, the honor of God. Church, we need to wrestle with that. I'll tell you, I failed on this. I was repenting all week on how little I honor people, you know? Like somebody upsets me and I'm just like, ah, yeah, but, and I see them through one little picture, you know, a caricature, you ever see that? You ever get a caricature, right? And, and you have big ears and then you have really big ears. It's like, you know, or you have a big nose or a big mouth or wide teeth and that's all you see. Well, listen, that's called contempt. We see people through the lens of the one thing they've done. And in me, I'll tell you, I just need to repent of that and say, Father, forgive me. You didn't see me that way. Help me through the lens of worship to see others the way that you see them. Do you see the magnitude of that? That's going to change the people that we come in contact with. Father, I thank you that, Lord, your word is so contrary to my nature. I don't know. Maybe it's, con it's, it's in line with others, but for me, as I look at this, and it says, honor everyone, and I realize how often, Father, I walk in the blindness of my own importance,
Father, I walk in the stress of what I have to do. And in doing that, I miss the value of those you placed alongside. I miss their blessing, whether Christians or non-Christians, in blessing them to discover the gifts you've given them. And Lord, we do live in a world where there is contempt and disagreement and there's truth and there are arguments and we need to engage in a way that allows the truth of who you are to be central. But when our heart falls in a place of contempt, I pray this week in Jesus' name, the warning light of red of the Holy Spirit would flash across our, across our eyes and say, Lord, and, and just simply humble ourselves before you and recognize this isn't gonna solve it. May we move in a way, Spirit, that reveals the truth of who our Father is and what Jesus has done. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.